Hey, it's Tom Karadza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we have my brother Nick Karadza and Andrew Palhidis is joining us. And the reason that this is a great podcast, in my opinion, is because Andrew breaks down some of the first jobs he's had. And wait till you hear about his very first job and what he did hustling to earn money as a 10-year-old. I don't think you're going to believe it, and I love it. So uh, when you hear how he started buying properties in his 20s, it's just such a great story. He, he started buying um rental properties and income properties before he met us in his 20s. Then he met us when he was about 24 and really picked up his property buying. Since then, he bought a bunch more properties, did a bunch of joint ventures, owns a property in Turks and Caicos. He's now in his mid, early to mid 30s, and he's not only helping um, people in their 20s get started with real estate investing, he's also helping people older than, than him in their 40s and 50s and beyond get into their very first rental property. And the way he breaks down how he explains why it's never too late to get into uh, real estate and investing is really eye-opening. I think it's a great explanation. So Andrew is a great guy and he reminded us, I think it was before the podcast. I don't think we talked about this on the podcast. Maybe we did. Um, just what kind of grind we put him through when he uh, started working with us before Andrew was quote unquote allowed to work with rockstar members as a rockstar coach and, you know, help them with their investment properties. We Force, basically forced him to fill um, people's vacant rental properties for a fee. It wasn't done for free, but that can be really like monotonous work and really hard work, especially when you're doing it for months and years uh, back to back. So he has tons of experience um, finding tenants for different rental properties. And um, Andrew doesn't know this, but I really think it's, it's part of what made him who he is today and what a great uh, coach he can be to real estate investors because of all the experiences he's been through. So just a great podcast. You're going to enjoy it. Um, and look, some of the things we talk about on this podcast is about the destruction of, you know, the middle class. We don't use those words specifically, but it is really, it is what's happening. The people who own assets, their wealth is changing over the last uh, decade specifically and likely going forward much faster than those who don't own assets. This is not a new trend, but it is an accelerating trend. And if you don't have the data to look at this yourself, it can be eye-opening. So we put a report together at this URL, nomoremiddle.com. So if you go to www.nomoremiddle.com, you can download a report where we've broken out how property prices are increasing much faster than income. So even though things like minimum wage have gone up and incomes have gone up, when you look at the extrapolation over the next 25 years, if these trends continue between the price points of assets versus income, it's shocking. So if you haven't had a chance to grab that data, we also have some great charts on there and, and graphs about uh, the green belt and the population density going around Toronto. So as a real estate investor, that acts as a little bit of a treasure map for all of us. So you can check that all out at www.nomoremiddle.com. And with that, let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with Andrew Palhita. So why are you taking the, the fish oil? I don't know. The doctor told me. But, you know, I think yeah. our, grand, our grandmother and our mother always wanted to give us cod liver oil. Like cod liver oil was like something that was randomly given out. So I think it's just that we removed it from our diet and then we didn't uh, 
none of us have put it back in in the last 20 years. I'm going to give it a try for three months. We'll see what happens. Cod liver oil or like omega-3? Omega-3. I still don't even know the difference between the... I know cod liver oil has more vitamin A and I'm deficient well, vitamin Well, omega-3 is not a fish oil. Cod liver oil is a fish oil. Yeah, omega-3 is a nutrient. But what are these fish oils that say omega-3 on the bottle like that? It's, it's, the, it's the different combination of what's in that particular oil because some of them are fish oil and they don't... There's there's two different... There's like what, EPL and something yeah, else? There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's two different things that, that are in them. Man, I thought I knew. I thought head. I knew. You know, I, I actually thought... And I have to look into it because I really thought cod liver oil i know cod liver oil obviously fish oil um and i know cod liver oil has vitamin a in it or helps you produce vitamin a but i thought this other stuff that we've always been referring to with this omega-3s that's sold in the fridge of those natural stores i thought that was always some sort of fish oil too no it it is but what i'm saying is you guys were talking about omega-3s and cod liver oil like it's two different you don't you yeah. don't buy omega three. You know what oh, you buy? Cod liver you know oil. what? Every every time I think I got something figured out, I know less and less. I swear. Well, it's, like, vi- it's like, talk- it's like talking about vitamin C or oranges. They're not. It's not the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got it. Okay, okay. I'm just gonna trust it. Nick with those pecs. So I was going to uh, <laughs> Andrew. I was gonna ask you just as we got started here. I think my mic's gonna tip over. Um, what time did you get up this morning, and what did you eat for breakfast? Uh, good question. I uh, got up at six forty-five. Are you getting shy on us on here? You can no. speak. Yeah, go. yeah. I got up at six forty-five and had nothing for breakfast. And is that regular six forty-five and nothing for breakfast? I'm trying this new intermittent fasting thing. Yeah, okay. Where I get we've the, never heard about where it. Where I get the kids settled in the morning, so I don't have time to eat. Yeah, okay, uh, okay. So your kids are making you do intermittent fasting. What time are you going to bed? Uh, one, one or two. So you're no, going to one or regularly, two? and uh, you get up at six. That's why I got these bags under these eyes. Oh, dude, so there's, a, there's a podcast you got to listen to. Well, who was that sleep doctor? That was an awesome podcast. Yeah, that was a great one with Joe Rogan. Yeah, you it, definitely have to listen to that one as well. Yeah, die at forty. Yeah, no, you know what, man? It was just no, no. It was, no, it was so good. Through, how old are you right now? Thirty-four. But this is the age. Yeah, where with you two get young no kids. Yeah, you're not supposed that's to get sleep a, right now. You don't get sleep in your yeah. mid thirties. That's right. normal. But they were talking about the link between like the the more and more. It, I guess pronounced and proven link between lack of sleep and Alzheimer's, and uh, it's it's pretty interesting I, I, and a, a vast variety of things. It is worth listening to. Just everything, your own recovery, I'm actually going, your health. Yeah, I'm like, going to bed earlier now. I have an excuse to tell my wife when she, you know, I'm like when I'm putting my daughter to bed, reading her story, and I just fall asleep before she falls asleep. <laughs> now I have an excuse to say it's good for me when I do that. See, when the kids were younger, I liked it because they would go to bed at like seven thirty or you know seven o'clock, and now my son goes to bed so he's 16 he'll go to bed after me so yeah, like all right you can put I know, to sleep. i know but then the but the thing is i think what's changed in life is if i don't stay up a little bit i never get to talk to the guy because in the morning everybody's rushing out the door he's got stuff after school he'll be on some teams after school then he's got his rep soccer and then rep soccer is going to be ending at like 9 30 by the time he's home until 10 if i don't see him but i want to go to bed at 9 30 but if i don't <laughs> spend some time with him from 10 to 11 i'm just never seeing my own kids yeah I don't know, from 16 to 21, I don't think mom and dad ever saw me. No, but it's a different world. So Our parents, our father never saw us. Yeah, that's true. He saw us on Sundays. But, uh, well, stay up later. So th- th- this is, uh, and, and nothing, you're just not eating anything for breakfast, just coffee every morning? I don't drink coffee. No, so what do you have for breakfast? Nothing. Nothing? No, there's no time. Wow. Yeah, okay. At first, I just did it because there was no time to eat anything for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. And then and anything now it's quick a, wasn't really good. I'm fine healthy. with that. I, I don't yeah. eat. Like, I go to the, I'll wake up, I'll go to the gym, I'll come home. Like, even if it's on a weekend, on a Saturday, I'll come home, I'll do work around the house, I'll do some stuff on the computer, whatever I got to do. I won't eat, like, I won't eat 
maybe 11 o'clock and it's not because I'm trying to do intermittent fasting or I'm just like whatever because once I stop and slow down that's just when I eat but I like to do a lot of stuff I prefer to do a lot of stuff especially active stuff in the morning before I eat if I have my way I know like some people have told me that's not ideal for training and stuff like that but I'm I mean, starting to think there's no ideal for anything you just do what's right for you well for me I mean I'm not like a pro athlete that I'm yeah, looking yeah. for that little edge I'm like yeah I'm just I don't know, I'm just doing my thing right so I know the only reason I'm surprised. I know I look like a pro athlete, Andrew. But, uh. <laughs> I, the only reason I'm surprised is because there's so much talk about, you know, bulletproof coffee and different programs and different things to have for breakfast. And Andrew doesn't get sucked. You busy. don't get sucked into all that. No, though, do I don't. Yeah. No, I never did the bulletproof coffee. I did it once or twice. I tried it, but that's it. Mm-hmm. I was just too busy for breakfast. Never really ate breakfast. But now that I hear it's a fad called intermittent fasting i'm just going to say that's what i've been doing yeah no it is and i don't even know if it's a fad i think it's really something that people have done for hundreds and thousands of years tens of thousands of years are we going to talk about uh, investing that's a fad so um so you're 32 years old now 34 34 you are old old, yeah you are old 34 been 10 years ago when did you uh when did you join up as a rock star member 24 am i allowed to share the story 24 years old. Yeah, you can share it. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, we run this membership at Rockstar. <laughs> and back then, I think it was, uh, I, don't, I can't remember how much it was a month even when we started out. but 29 bucks. Was it 29 was it? bucks? I think so. Because 29 no, bucks like a month. 40. No, no, there's no, no way. No. Oh my God. Oh my God. See, in your <laughs> All right, mind, maybe, yeah. maybe. I yeah. forgot. No, Alzheimer's. No, it was like, it was like <laughs> 19 or 29. I think it was 29. Felt, it felt like a lot. So for those of you who don't know, Andrew works with us here at Rockstar and has for I don't know. Eight years now. Eight years. And uh, when he joined up uh, to work with us as an investor, he told us, I don't know when you (laughs) admitted this. Uh, I don't years know. Actually, later. probably yeah, a couple of years after. Andrew here. told us he only signed up because in one he was going to pay for one month for twenty nine bucks. Yeah. Download all our leases and our documents and our legal forms, and download any information that we could off our our member only site, which we still run today. Yep. And then cancel. Yep. And we turned the tables on him better than maybe anyone else because now he's been working with us. Not only, <laughs> not only is he still here, but he's been working with us for eight years. To be fair, though. I downloaded everything, and as I was downloading it, I was reading it, and then I was like, "Oh, actually, this is worth thirty bucks." Yeah, so yeah. then, I, then I stayed a member for this month. Our life's no, work has been worth thirty bucks. This is <laughs> this is worth thirty bucks. Thirty bucks. <laughs> so, uh, did you buy a property before me? Did, did you own any investment real estate before meeting us? Oh, you did. did. Yeah, yeah that's did. right. Yeah, I owned a condo in Toronto. I bought when I was twenty-two. Why did uh, you buy? So, what made you buy that? Not, not yeah. like why did you buy the condo? Like, what made you think at twenty-two, I'm going to go buy a, a piece of real estate? Well, I always wanted to buy property since I was a kid. And I just, I wanted to buy property because every time I was working like three or four jobs and I said I was saving up for a piece of real estate, older people were saying, oh, that's smart. I wish I had done that. And I was like, okay, so it must make sense because why would older people lie to me? And um, none of my friends or family had invested in real estate. And so I was just saving up. And then also my plan was to buy a house and then rent out upstairs and downstairs separate, like a duplex. And then eventually I'd move into the basement and then eventually I'd move upstairs. And I figured that was my only chance of ever moving out on my own. So, how the, but how the hell were you thinking about that? at twenty? Most people at I was 22, thinking about that at 17. See, mo- it just but, took a while to save the but money. But why? Did you read a book or something? Or was it just because you heard other people talking and you just wanted to buy real estate? Like, because at 17, know. most people are just like, how do we get someone to buy us cigarettes or beer? You know, yeah. since we don't have ID. Right? I don't know. I think I just always wanted to be wealthy. And I knew that wealthy people had land in real estate, so I just wanted real estate. Yeah, no, that's cool. Because, and your family wasn't wealthy growing up? 
No, we were like lower middle class. We had food and everything. It wasn't Parents both hard. from? Both parents, Portuguese immigrants. Immigrated here. You were born here. I was born here, yeah. Educated here, obviously. Yeah. Um, oh my God, I already saw a guy driving around. Hasn't even started yet. Two Portuguese flags on his car for the World Cup. The Portuguese oh. go hardcore in yeah, the I World gotta, Cup. I gotta get man. mine soon. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? The Croatians will go, the Croatians oh, yeah. will match. Yeah. The Croatians will match the Portuguese. There's just yeah. probably just more Portuguese around. Probably. In Toronto, there's a lot of Croatians in Toronto too. But I watched that exhibition game between Croatia and Brazil. Yeah. I'm not sold on Croatia. But it was Brazil, and Neymar. That I know. Goal was ridiculous. Yeah, that goal goal was yeah. ridiculous. Just cheer for Portugal. But so, you, but how did you? So at 17, you started thinking like this is. Yeah, it might have even been sooner. I was just saving. Okay. So I was always just saving. So what saving. jobs were you working? Oh man, I worked a lot of jobs. What were they? I worked um, Staples, Lazy Boy, Canadian Tire, Rogers. How did you get Best those Buy. jobs? I just everywhere agencies and just dropped applications. I worked in the malls. I worked uh, night shifts for a trucking company. When did you start? Work? How old were you when you started working? Like fifteen. That was your choice, legally, or your parents legally. just said, "Hey, man, you better start work. You better start doing something." Uh, I think it was my choice. I wanted to make money. Okay, so you always like underage. I was driven. working like you know roofing or here or there. You were doing cash jobs underage yeah. too. So yeah. you've always been a bit of a hustler. Like, yes. and I don't mean that, in, like, I don't mean, like, some people look at a hustler and they think that's, a, like, they look at that term and think it's bad. I just mean it's someone that's willing to go out and make shit happen for themselves. Yeah. That's, that's what I mean by it. Yeah, it was always something. Yeah. That, that's, that makes a difference. My first job was when I used to go grocery shopping with my mom and she'd be inside grocery shopping and then I'd come outside and I'd ask people if they wanted me to return their grocery carts. No way. And then I'd get 25 cents because you'd have to put 25 cents in the grocery cart. And then I'd say, hey, you want me to return your cart? And they'd be like, okay. And then I'd keep the 25 cents. Did you no, really? Yeah, so I was doing that around in the parking lots while my mom was yeah, shopping. Yeah, he's always been a That's hustler. That's awesome. <laughs> You've always been a hustler. That was good for like you, 10 man. years old. That is awesome. Yeah. Good those, for are, you. those are awesome. I love hearing that, though. Yeah. That's great. Well, my first job, I I was, doing my first job was I was buying like Popeye cigarettes from a convenience store that was just down the street from our house. And the guy who owned the store just kind of leaned over the counter and he said, hey, you want to work here? <laughs> and I, I, I think I just said, yeah, on the spot. I didn't even know what I was going to do. And I ran home. I told mom and dad that I was going to work at the convenience store. And he was paying me $3 and 50 cents uh, to stock, you know, just the pop yep. kind of fridges. And I remember I went in the back once and I saw a rat. Like, I think this rat was the size of like a cat. Like in my eyes, that's how, I don't know how big it was today, but that was, it was huge. I was just petrified, but I didn't want to, I don't know. I feel like I couldn't leave. I was just like, I don't even know if I can do this. Cause I had to go get like the pop from the back corner where this rat was and stuff. And I just remembered what a kind of horrible little job that was. <laughs> anyway, I kept it all summer. And then, you know what? It was our father who said, you have to quit that job because now you're working construction. And then you know what? He just drove me to the construction site, gave me a broom and a wheelbarrow, and he said, you pick up all this dirty drywall that's on the floors from all the guys putting it up, and you throw it in that bin, and then he peeled off and he left the job site and came back <laughs> at 3.30 in the, in the afternoon. <laughs> that, was the learn survival that was skills. the instruction. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so what was the craziest thing, other than the thing, uh, other than the, the, the coin stuff from the shopping carts, what was the craziest job you had kind of like in the early days? Oh, I don't even know. But, I don't know. But, uh, that's what, a big smile. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can talk about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, no, I, yeah, I just worked every job, factory jobs, everything. Canadian Tire, warehouse, everywhere. So 17, then you saved up enough money to like... At 17... Were you going to school? Yeah, you, I was going to school. So you finished high school? No, not at 17. Uh, no, at... Uh, yeah, I was 17, going on 18, something like that. 17, 18, I finished school, went to college. Okay. And then what I did was during college, I had crammed my schedule into about two days. Okay. I don't know if you can still do that, but it was like 
7 or 8 a.m. until like 8 p.m. And then so I did two days of school all day. And then the other five days I would work. So I'd work like a night shift at like a warehouse. And then I'd work Staples from 9 to 5 in Brampton. And then there used to be a Lazy Boy there. And then I'd work 5 to 10 at Lazy Boy. So I would just walk from Staples over to Lazy Boy, switch my shirt and uniform, and then work till 10 at night. How long did you keep that routine up? For a while. Dude, I didn't know this. Yeah, I didn't know any of this. Yeah. I didn't know this about you. Holy smokes. And then okay. during the day, I'd what, what, sleep what, what, at, uh, at Staples. Where, in the back? <laughs> in the back or wherever I could, yeah. yeah. yeah well, okay. If you can get paid to sleep, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, and then uh, what were you taking in school? Uh, business management. Okay. And yeah. did you finish that? I finished it. Yeah, I didn't learn anything. You finished. I'm not business. a fan of school, obviously. But. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You so you finished business management. Um, you were doing all these jobs, and then from all those jobs, that was the down payment for your first property. That was yeah, down payment for the first property. Uh, and I didn't know, so I actually went out uh, with my dad looking at properties in Brampton because I lived in Brampton. And then when I saw the properties I could afford, it kind of scared me. Um, and then I was like, oh, I don't think I can do this. So I went and I bought a condo because there was no lawn. There was no basement and where was things it were put together and front and Blue Jay Way. So all I knew about real estate at the time was location, location, location. So I bought it front and Blue Jay Way right beside the CN Tower. How much was it? It was two sixty seven. Yeah, wow. wow. It's, um, but it must yeah, have seemed that's like a big purchase. That was a lot of money. Yeah. 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 But two sixty seven back then, what kind of condo was it? What sort of yeah, decent two, size? No, one? no. Two sixty seven. It was five hundred and sixty square feet. No parking, no locker, no den. Oh, wow. Okay. So there's nothing. So even then people were like, wow, it's do you still lot. own that? No. Well, I guess it, it wasn't that long yeah. ago because you're so young, right? So 10 years ago, 12 years ago? Uh, 11, yeah. 11, 11 years ago. 11 yeah. years ago. So then, um, yeah, so I bought that property at negative cash flow from the day I bought it to the day I sold it. But I was happy negative cash flowing. Because you had a property. Because I had a property, yeah. So my intent, actually, it's pretty funny because the first year, it closed on my birthday, on my 23rd birthday. And then for that first year, I, I was negative like $500 a month. And then I overpaid the mortgage an extra 1000 a month, every month. Because my parents are like, you know, debt's bad, pay this thing off. So my wow, plan- Wow, so you were pushing a lot of money into that property. Yeah, yeah. So my plan was, and I was working a lot too. So um, my plan was to pay it off in 25 years uh, or 20 years, somewhere around there. Maybe let's say 20 years and then I'd buy another one. And then with my income, the paid off one, and then I could pay off a second one in 10 years. And then with two paid off in my income, I'd buy a third one and pay it off in five years. And then 35 years from now, I'd have three properties. I'd be the richest man in the world. But then you did. So what changed? Because you didn't wait 25 years to buy the second property. No, I didn't. Actually, that's. Is yeah, that when you met us? Yeah, or? good segue. See? Yeah, okay. Okay, no, no, no. Is what changed? Just. Uh, you, yeah, you know. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and that's not. No, so I was some online. Some of our advertising. Yeah. <laughs> we captured you. Yeah, it worked. So I was on Google, like how to invest in real estate. Actually, so I, sorry, I'd paid off. 12 grand of mortgage. Then I went to my accountant to do my taxes and he's like, what are you doing? You can write off the interest. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know. So then I was like, oh, this is, I guess I could just, instead of paying this off, I'll just save up money again. So then I was looking on Google, how to invest in real estate, came across Rockstar, came to the free training, obviously skeptical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my wife now is my girlfriend at the time, and she's like, when I signed up, she's like, oh, I can't believe you signed up. Yeah. That's so annoying. Who are those scams? Was she there? Did she, did she no, come she with you? She didn't no, come, no, but okay. I said I signed up and she was like, really? Yeah, she was shocked. I was like, so I always. Old, so that's how old were you then? Still uh, 22? 23? 24. 24. 24. Okay. Yeah, 24. 
And then you guys are talking about cash flow, and I'm like, oh, this is a lot better than negative cash flow. What I didn't even know you could cash flow. What cash is this? Flow? <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. Trust um, me, we didn't know at one point either. So then I realized, well, I can get a lot more properties if I'm not bleeding 500 bucks a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, I signed up. It was good. Got a coach. Okay. And then you started buying more properties. But where did the money come? Is that from just more work that you were working? Yeah, just more. Yeah, so working, so saving up. you were up. hustling yeah. hard. Yeah. I didn't spend any money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like me and my friends would just drink before we went yeah. out to the club, then didn't buy any booze in the club. Yeah, but we don't have to get into the specifics of it. But yeah. now you've par- parlayed that into a bunch of properties. Yeah. And not only is it a bunch of properties, one's in Turks and Caicos. Mm-hmm. Um, so that just came from like you. It's like you, you spend have, money now. You s- yeah, now I spend a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I'm yeah. still pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah, but you spend it on things you like. Yeah. Um, but you, you just basically worked hard, saved everything, and pushed it into properties. Yeah, pretty much. At first, my I guess my mindset then was like money made money and time made money. Like you either needed time to make the money or you needed your money to make money. And I didn't have money, so I just tried to be on the clock as much as I could. So I'd get three, yeah. four jobs and just try and work all these jobs and work as many hours as I could. And then when I started making money, I just tried to have my money make money. You know what I like about the way you looked at everything? It, it was so simple. Like it was so, it was very accurate, but it was so simple. And I think now sometimes the the risk you run as you know more, you just overcomplicate things so much more because you know more and you can think about different angles when Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just makes more sense just to be, keep it simple, find like two or three kind of proven principles and just flip and implement those two, two or three things and it makes sense. It's kind of like how when we started, because we started in our twenties too and we just didn't, we didn't know what was going on. Also, when you're no, when older, you buy you, a house, rent it out for cat. Like yeah. I mean, not even at yeah, first yeah. it was a flip, but I mean afterwards, you buy a house, you try to get more money than you pay for every month, and then That's I don't it. know, you like then you figure it out afterwards. Yeah. Why figure out? Because the people that come talk to us now, like some investors, are like, well, I'm going to pay tax. Well, like, yeah, you're gonna pay flipping tax, but that's because you're making money. Like, if yeah. you're making money, you're gonna pay tax, right? Don't worry about the damn tax. One of the things that make the money first. One of the things that changes also as you have more, it's just difficult to do things. I think in your 40s, you have a little bit more money. You're not in your 40s yet, but you know, actually, Nick just turned it 40. Um, but when you're in your 40s, you kind of now have a little bit of money. You have a little bit of experience, so that when you see kind of I- new ideas, you there's all these things you can talk yourself out of from doing these things. When you're in your twenties, you don't really know anything. Yeah. You're just kind of running around. I think also like the higher you get, the further you can fall. Like it does yeah, become little, more difficult once you have Which you have to just block stuff. from your mind. Absolutely. Yeah. When um, I was twenty, what, twenty three, twenty two, I didn't have anything. So I had really nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. How did you go from buying the how did it feel going from a condo? Because the house you bought through us was probably what, a single family yeah, a somewhere? Single family detached in Hamilton. And then how much was that? Do you remember? Yeah. Two 27 oh my god why didn't you buy 10 yeah um and actually so yeah i'll share here actually yeah why'd we sell it to you we should have bought yeah (laughs) 227 i bought the condo for 267 the condo was getting 1400 a month but then i was paying like 300 a month or 400 a month in condo fees so i was making about a thousand and then the house that i bought was 227 and i did rent to own and i collected five or six thousand up front and then i was getting 1690 a month with no condo fee. So you, because of you had that point of reference yeah, early on, just made a lot of you sense. must have been blown away yeah, like, compared unreal. to what you. Then I was all in. We're expecting. And yeah. now I work here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you've worked with tons of investors yeah. and stuff and we can kind of get to that. And you've done a lot of investing yourself where mm-hmm. I, I don't think we're getting, you know, the specifics, but you've have a lot of experience yourself. You've grown a nice little portfolio that you've leveraged into 
change your life, really, yeah. right? Well, you've so. bought and sold properties in Brampton, I feel, like all over yeah, the place over. now. Um, why Turks, what made you do the Turks and Caicos property? So Turks and Caicos, um, well, it's beautiful, first of all. Sure, I love, no, that's the obvious, yeah. but I mean like. I love Mexico to spend longer times there. Uh, but Mexico is more volatile. Yeah, tell us about it because hold on, let's just pause right there. <laughs> In the last couple years, for those of you who don't know, Andrew, Andrew's gone with his family. I feel like three years ago was maybe the first time or four years ago. Yeah, probably four. What's years the longest? Was, was it three four years four, ago? And for how many months did you go to Mexico? Uh, three months. Three Actually, months. No, four years ago. Yeah, four years ago was, was five or six weeks. And okay. Then, then we started. Doing then you three did months. the three month stuff. Yeah. And then this year, how long did you go for? Three months. Three months. Yeah. So um, you're 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 carving out the life that you want to live, which it's is fun. like the whole idea. I'm allergic to snow. Yeah, it's good for you, man. No, My good for you. At this age, red, with a young family, running. to be able to make those choices. <laughs> but so you love Mexico, and that's why I love Mexico. Like I like the people, the food, like the culture, everything about Mexico. The government's a bit volatile, and the property's different because. You would you don't really own the land. Uh, a bank owns it in trust for you, and they do like a hundred year trust or okay, whatever. Okay, got it. In uh, Turks and Caicos, it's British overall, guaranteed by the crown. There's title search. You own the title to the land. Uh, it's also a tax free country, which has its own benefits. Um, and also, it's just two things. So to own a property and then to rent it out. If when I say I'm going to Mexico, and people are like, "Oh, Mexico," I really don't care because I enjoy it there. But then to, if I owned in Mexico, I don't want people saying, ooh, to my place, right? <laughs> if I have a place in Turks and Caicos, it's just off like five, six minutes off Grace Bay Beach, which is the number one beach in the world. There's a plug. Is it? Last year was number two. It's always top three beaches. Andrew, better than number two. It's, it's it starting be. to fall now. <laughs> Listen, no, last fa- year was number two. This year, number one. Our father has told us since we were little kids that the best beaches are in Croatia, man. I know, I know, I know what? I've been to You're Croatia. You're going to have to talk to our no, father. No, but you know what? He did come back yeah. from Hawaii. This is when I knew Hawaii was nice because he came back from Hawaii once and he said, Hawaii is beautiful. And I was like, wow, for him to say Hawaii was nice, it, I'm like, that place must be really nice. Yeah, He's been. never been to Turk, so. I remember standing on the beach in Maui once, and it was like sunshine, but it was I was looking up at kind of like a rainforest, and it was like sprinkling mist from rain on me, and there was a rainbow. And I remember thinking, this must just be heaven. This is the best place <laughs> in the world. But, uh, okay, so it's got a great beach. Yeah, right it's got on a, it. a good beach, number one beach in the world, so it's just it's good, it's appealing, tax-free country. Um and just more upside potential, I think. Got it. And is that was that purchased as an investment? Like, are you guys trying to make? That's it's you, a lifestyle investment. Because you bought that with a fr- with Paul Bruto, yeah. With Paul, who's also here at Rockstar. You guys yeah. met here. Yeah. And now you bought that property together. But as an investment property, to try and make money or no? Just a fun uh, fun property. Not to make money. It's more of a lifestyle investment. Okay. Like it's okay. Yeah, right? yeah, it's not like it. the returns here. Got it. Like if but you want to make money, it, if you're renting it out, how's it a lifestyle investment? Because are you you're you're not staying there because you're other people are staying there, right? No, but like, cause yeah, so we'll use it. Other people will use it. We'll rent it out to subsidize the cost. It's not covering its right? cost. But pool, well, it does cover its cost. Okay. It's like oh, pool, so it's a vacation. I thought you had a long-term, I thought at one point, I guess you had a long-term tenant in there. Yes, it was a long-term tenant. We did a massive renovation, flipped it over. And now it's vacation rental. It's on Airbnb now. Yeah, okay, okay. Now Rentgracebay.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can plug we'll all. just have to edit that it. part <laughs> out. Yeah. Plug it. We take commission, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is the URL? Uh, www.rentgracebay.com. Grace Bay is the beach. Um, but, and then you guys had to renovate it because in a hurricane it got hit down. by Irma. <laughs> we had to renovate anyways. So we renovated it and we upgraded it because we're already renovating it anyways. So we did everything. Every single What is thing. it? A two bedroom place? Two bedroom, two bathroom. Yeah, probably like 1,500 square feet. It's got a really nice front balcony. Uh, good location. That's the best part. It's right off uh, Grace Bay, the main road. 
Got and it. Right behind Salt Mills Plaza. So. So going back to how many? Pro- so you bought a bunch of properties. You met us. You bought the condo. You bought a bunch of properties. Then when did you decide to get your real estate license? Was it working with us? You're like, oh, I might as well just get. Like, what was the thought process? Yeah, it's, there? you know, it's interesting because it's. I was getting my real estate license not to get into real estate. I was just getting my real estate license to learn. That sounds like all of us. What you guys were doing. I just was curious. Actually, funny enough, like I went to get my mortgage agent's course. I went through it all. Okay. Then I just didn't register as a mortgage agent because I don't want to be a mortgage agent. Um, I just wanted to learn what they were doing. And so I did the same thing with real estate. And then Mike was like, hey, you're doing your course. Do you want to come work at Rockstar? I said, sure. So I quit my job. I was in IT sales at the time. Quit my job and came here. And, love and it. then we forced you to like fill properties for I filled properties for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, filling properties was a vacant invest, a property, an investor had a vacant property and then we would go find the tenant yeah. for a fee. Yeah. But, uh, okay. So that was a good experience. So, so, oh my, anyone who, anyone who has come up through the ranks and invest from in, investing, who's owned their own properties and filled lots of vacant properties with tenants, those have always been the most educated, best people. And not even just from investing. I just think the life lessons that come along with yeah. that are huge. When you have so many people lie to you about, you know, they're going to take the property, they're going to come back with first and not. And I'm not trying to say anyone's a bad person. I just mm-hmm. mean when you're dealing with the general public, you end up dealing with a lot of crap. So to learn those lessons, I think especially for people who have white collar jobs, like if you're working in a corporate office in downtown Toronto all day, and then you go down and you try to rent your first property in Oshawa or Peterborough or Barrie, and you've never dealt with the general public before, people will come to us in shock. Like, I can't believe that guy didn't meet me. He told me he was coming to look at the property at seven o'clock. And you'll just be laughing. Yeah, that's normal. What you expect? Yeah, you got to book four or five people all at the same time to hopefully have two people show up at that time. So, uh, but I actually, I stopped counting, I think, at like 110. Like, there was a lot of properties filled. Is that how many you filled? It was over 100. No. Sure. Yeah. Was it really? Yeah. Well, you know what know. it is? Also, over it, the years. It's, yeah, it's sure. a testament to you, too. I think Nick and I were so naive in just building a business and building Rockstar. We had our heads down trying to keep things going. We had no idea maybe how many properties you were even filling. Yeah, it was a lot. So, you had a ton of experience before you started working with investors. <laughs> so, you had all that, and now you've been working with investors for I don't know, even know how long has to be like six years six years now yeah. what uh anything stand out uh for you like do you ever meet at someone in their 20s now like what kind of advice do you now that you're 34 and you because we have people sign up in their 20s yeah. do you give them like what because the number one thing people in their 20s will come to us with will be money mm-hmm. like i don't have the money for the down payment what what how, what do you what yeah do you it's answer just not with? pretty you just gotta work a lot of hours save your money don't spend it on anything like when i was working four jobs in school i was at eating michelinas or like beef patties. Everything. I remember I those Michelinas. I used to have those. Those, yeah. were, those were high-end microwave dishes, man. Those were that was great. like 89 cents, I think. Those were cents. great. Oh, yeah, I used yeah. to love those. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember coming home after a few drinks and it was Michelinas in the microwave. And yeah. First thing, Michelinas and pizza pops. Michelinas. Oh, yeah, pizza pops. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I was really into, pops. really into my nutrition at that time. But do you, you know what I ate a lot of? Do you, do, I don't, maybe I'm too old for, for this for you guys. Remember those McCain, little McCain pizzas? Oh, I remember the two those. pizzas yeah. oh, yeah, that you yeah. had to crack because they were like kind of yeah. welded together. But you together. had to put them in the oven because then they were crispy. If you put them yeah, in the microwave, the microwave they were it was too a soggy. soggy mess. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't do it. <laughs> do they sell, sell those McCain pizzas? I have no those idea. Were, I don't those, know. those uh, yeah, I don't want to go back to eating the McCain pizzas. But yeah, we ate a lot of that stuff. So you just tell them to hustle. Make some money, save money. Hustle, save your money. Yeah, there's really no other way other than maybe... Wait, you've done a lot... You've done some joint venture stuff. Yeah, I've done quite a few joint ventures. Okay, so break that down. So The joint ventures I found for me were easier after I already owned property. Because people believed you. Yeah, now I owned, I think at the time, three or four properties, and then I was able to partner with people because... Did you partner with family or friends? uh, Friends. 
Yeah, okay. Friends. So break that down. How, so how did friends, that work? Friends, family, eventually everybody. I mean, so you got you bought a property with their money. Uh, yeah. Well, um, actually, the first one it was it was split. So it was my money, his money, and then he qualified for the mortgage. I couldn't qualify for any more mortgages because then coming to work at Rockstar, I was now a realtor. Self and you were self employed. Yeah, yeah. Banks don't like you right away. Yeah, so that ended that. Um, and then I started doing joint ventures. Yeah, with um, just friends, family, anybody, and then eventually using their money. Um, and then their money and a fee, and then it just kind of kept changing. Right. And then did you always do the same split on the ownership of the property and the, any cash flow, or um, is it always different? It's, it's for the most part, it's always different. I mean, but I mean, it's, I've always kind of kept it around 50, 50. Okay. Um, depending on what they're so, bringing and then to the usually in your situation, were you the person doing all the work? I was doing so the you work. you would manage the tenants, any vacancies, any problems with the property? Correct. Yeah. Manage. I was finding the property filling the property, managing the property. Okay. Um, and then also, and then my partner would be getting the financing and putting down the money. And you guys signed a joint venture agreement. Was everything always on paper or no? Uh, yeah, it was actually always on paper. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Now that's good. That's, that, yeah, that's good. That's that's rare. Yeah, it is rare. Okay. Yeah. So you started on paper, uh, documenting ownership and yep. the, you know, the, the percentage and all that. Yeah. Okay. So what, yep. um, and, uh, I'm just kind of sharing because you've helped a lot of people understand joint ventures now mm -hmm. over the years and explaining how to do joint ventures and that whole bit. Um, any advice for anyone who's looking to do a joint venture on what not to do? The thing that comes to mind for us always, because we've done a few joint ventures over the years, is that if you're in the joint venture uh, relationship with a partner and they are not going to think about the property the same way as you and maintain the property as well as you would maintain the property, mm -hmm. it can cause problems. Yeah. So like if there's like a leaky basement and you're thinking you should fix the leaky basement and they don't want to, right away there's a problem. So do you, yeah, there's so many things to avoid. Yeah, but is there like a main one that you found? You know what? A main one um, for me starting out, a main one was um, just knowing my own value and my own net worth and, and what the value of what I was bringing to the table. And what I mean by that is if you're an experienced investor and you know how to find a good property, uh, I'll give you an example. So one of my first joint ventures, we did a joint venture. My partner, all he really did was sign. Uh, we split the money. Okay, here we go. Start cash flowing. Never been to the property, never saw the property, didn't have to go to it. Life was really good. And then I brought another joint venture and, you know, he had looked, um, he's like, okay, I'll get back to you. And this was a detached home on the Hamilton Mountain, 310000 which is a steal. Like perfect. probably right now it's like 560000 And so tenant was already lined up. They had like a $10,000 deposit, rent to own. This was going to cash flow from day one, another grand slam deal. So he's like, okay, I'll get back to you in about an hour. He looks at it calls me back and he says, Hey, you know, I was looking on MLS, which is like realtor.ca. If you don't, if you're not actually a realtor. And then he's like, you know, I found some houses in Hamilton that were cheaper. And I was like, well, he was looking what? for the good deal. And you know, I, and then I was like, yeah, so what's, that's not the point. What are you talking about? And I didn't actually even realize that the first deal I had brought to him, I didn't even put any value on the fact that I found a good home in a good area with good tenants and it was cash flowing from day one. It was just kind of normal for me. Obviously, that's what I want to invest in. But I didn't put any um, value on that. So he just thought it was easy. And he didn't put any value on he it either. That was the norm. That the was norm, the norm. Yeah. So when he's looking, yeah, he's now trying to find. You had years of experience you were bringing to the table. I didn't even know I was bringing. And you didn't even understand how much yeah. value you were bringing to the table. Yeah, that's true. So at that point, I realized, oh, actually, now I realize the experience and what I'm bringing. Um, and so he didn't want to even partner on that deal. Because he's like, no. I want to find a cheaper property. And I'm like, the tenants don't want a cheaper, uglier 
property. Yeah, it's it's so funny. It's something we've tried to talk people out of over the years is never focus on the good deal. Mm-hmm. Always focus on a good property in a good area that you can pr- be proud to have well, in your we portfolio. Learned, we learned early on, we stopped offering those types of deals to people that had not invested before. So once they had invested, then they would then we like they would appreciate yeah. what goes into it. So, you know, after a couple of similar situations, we're like, you know what, forget it. We're just going to offer these people to people that that invested because they appreciate every, you know, every step of the process. And it was generally smoother. So that's that's the way we we handled that because it was it was surprising, too, because you jumped into it from your condo. You had that reference point, even with a lot of investors that never invested before that we worked with when they started getting some good cash flow numbers early on. They thought that was normal. Yeah. And then they saw other investments they are like, well, these ones aren't that good. I'm like, well, no, no, you don't get it. What you have is actually not normal. <laughs> you know, the, that, what you're seeing is normal. You yeah. just kind of have something that's that's just beyond it because for a period of time there, and there's still cash flow deals to be had and all that type of stuff, but for a period of time in areas surrounding Toronto, it was, I mean, we had one, I'll never forget, we had one single family home that we were renting out that had $800 a month in cash flow. Like if you went to a Toronto condo investor, <laughs> no, it's not right? And they'd be like, what are you talking about? It's your liar. You I had a student r- for a brief period of time before I refinanced it. I had a student rental that was cash flowing 1800 a month, yeah. 1800 a month. You know what? That it's like condo a small family. Yeah. It's like a small apartment yeah. building. That condo I had was my worst investment financially. I still made money though. Um, and that was a really good learning experience because it was the worst financial investment, but probably my most important because it benchmarked all the other investments. Well, totally. But so, look, you got paid for learning all those lessons yeah. because yeah, monthly, but you dumped money into it and then the, you got you got equity over time, mortgage yeah. pay down and appreciation and stuff. That's why I think it's important for people to start with property when they're in their 20s if they can because once you hit your 30s, you have no money. You're you're starting yeah. a young family usually you're trying sp- to buy. You're spending a lot But if more, you can get sure, these yeah. lessons in your 20s, and hold on to a few properties, it changes your financial future like entirely. Yeah. So that's what I was going to ask you. So you started early. Um, what did your friends think then when you started and compared to today? And I don't know if you have some of the same friends and stuff like that. Yeah, same friends. But They're I'm just curious because at the time, so at the time when you bought your first property, first or second, um, what did they say? So what did they say to the one in Toronto? And then what did they say to the one in Hamilton? Because at that time, especially when no one was talking about Hamilton, I'm really yeah. curious what they were saying. Uh, I think in Toronto, it was just kind of like, a, a lot of people were confused. And just like, hey, I don't, so I just don't get it. Like, you're buying this place, but you're not living here. And I'm like, no, I can't afford to live here. <laughs> like, it was a nice building. It was at the Element. And I was like, no, I can't afford to live here. And they're like, because I threw one party. The day of closing, I threw a party, <laughs> rented out the party room. It was like my big hurrah. And then, okay, everybody out. <laughs> I got to rent this thing. And then I just, nobody could kind of get, you know, okay, you're renting. I don't get it. You're, you bought it, but you're not living here. Why are you renting it? And I'm like, because they'll pay the mortgage, but you don't get to live here. Like, um, and then some of my closer friends, they, they kind of got it, but I don't even think they really care too much. Yeah. And then I started buying in Hamilton again. Nobody really cared. Everyone's just kind of doing their own See, thing. See, my friends in Hamilton, like, when they found out about in Hamilton, the, f- the first time I bought in Hamilton, they're like, because I had my first one was in Mississauga, mm-hmm. and then after that, and they're like, "Why, why Hamilton? What, 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 what's wrong with you? Yeah. you?" You know, okay. So, and now the ones that knew you then and saw what you did, now what? Are, what are? Do they even ask you about real estate? No, it's kind of interesting. I still think they still don't care. Really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, sometimes, right? Actually, I've got some friends. I think that's that how most of our friends are too. I've got some close care. friends that have I invested. Guess, yeah. I just mean if I saw one of my friends that started, you know, um, you know, was hustling, working, bought this property. He's in his, you know, early 30s driving like an exotic sports car and stuff. I'd probably ask him, be like, hey, man, like, 
any lessons you I can think share? That's because you, know? you have drive. Like Andrew, we talked about it, like how he has drive. Like I think you have drive. Like I really think you probably underestimate underestimate how many people just really don't have that drive. And I think their mindset, like I think a lot of that is mindset that Andrew, you thought this was all possible for you. Yeah. Like you thought it was possible. Yes, yeah, for sure. Not See, even you didn't even think it was possible. You, you knew like yeah, knew. you, you knew it was gonna happen. Yeah. You knew it was possible. I think unfortunately a lot of people are raised and I for you, I don't think it was your family and no disrespect mm-hmm. to your family. I don't think your family made you believe things were possible for you. I think that was just inherent in you. I think a lot of people grow up in families where they're kind of beat down a little bit mentally and they have a mindset where they don't think they can get ahead. Yeah, that's and, fair. And you know, I think it was in Andrew. I think you're driven. I think some people just naturally have that mindset and other people unfortunately have to be kind of pulled out of whatever mindset they have and led to believe that, yes, you can have whatever you want. You know, you just unfortunately are going to have to work three jobs back to back and sleep in the back of one of those jobs. And, you know, you're going to have to flip a property and have leaky basements on every property you've bought ever since you bought that property (laughs) and deal with everything that you've had to deal with. And other people just kind of have to do it for for me. I think um, I'm just kind of reflecting back for me. I remember reading that book, Think and Grow Rich. And that book, for some reason, I don't know what it was with that book. It just made me believe that I could do anything. I don't know what, why it was, what it was about that book, but it just made me think, oh my God, I can do anything that I put my mind to it. And I don't even know if that's just like hyperbole thinking that way, but it made me believe it and it seemed to it work, worked. you know? To me, yeah. it was multiple streams of income. That Because that message hit home with me. I'm like, multiple streams of income, I get it. Because then you want as many sources of income as possible. And it just that was a to- good book. I totally think that's right behind home. your head. That's right behind your head. See the silver yeah, it's still book right there. there. I still won't there. get rid of it. I, re- well, I remember the ones. It was like some internet marketing, network marketing. Yeah, real estate yeah, was yeah, yeah. one. We there all go to the same path. It's and so funny when people come to us now talk about network marketing. I'm like, oh my gosh, I was there like in the year 2000. Right, well, there's some people that have turned it into a business. Absolutely, you know, it's no, no, small, no, no, no. But like everything, it's a small percentage. Yeah, yeah. Right? no, I'm just saying when people come to you and think you've never heard of the idea before, you know. But, but uh, you know what? I was th- actually thinking when you were saying I knew I could do it. I remember having a conversation with my friends. We were downtown and we were walking past the condo because now it was rented. But we used to park there because I got free parking. Right. I would just register smart. as a guest at my own place. And then we'd go walking like six blocks to go party yeah, downtown yeah. to save the 15 and, bucks in the cold and the snow. Yeah. With no jackets because we didn't want to mm-hmm. pay for coat check. <laughs> but we were walking and I remember my friends like, well, what happens if someone doesn't pay rent or what happened that, you know, my friends had the regular concern and I just was like, no, like I'll pay it. It's not like, going to happen. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. Like I'll go get more jobs and I'll just think there, there's always yeah, going yeah. to you be a way Like no matter what happens, I'll pay yeah, for yeah, yeah. it. So, and then Nick, uh, multiple streams of income after that book, that just got you going to buy the, pro- was it that book? Any other books? Do you remember? Well, yeah, I went into a heavy a reading phase, but I feel like you didn't go into heavy reading phase. You kind of got the idea and then just took action. No, I, I mean, I, I read uh, like Rich. I don't know when, though, in what order. I forget, but it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad was one, Thinking Grow Rich. Um, I wish Wealthy, we Barber was, what, Wealthy Barber was an early one. Wealthy Barber was me. an early one. I wish I could remember when I first read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I can't exactly I remember. remember. That was the first book I read. Was it? When I started investing, I Who told you I to read had. that book? I don't know. I wish I knew who, because yeah, I tell yeah. everybody to read it yeah, now. Me too. Um, and I buy actually even my my bookshelf at home. I think I have like six copies because I just give them away. We 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 keep like ten copies in the office yeah. here. And if I meet young people here who yeah. are members or something, I just hand out that book. I'm like, here, just read this. I lend it. 
Smart. Yeah, lend it because then see? they have to read That's it. That's the give difference it back between me and you. You lend the book, I just give it and say, you're, here, you're too kind. Take the book. I've given away <laughs> copies of Think and Grow Rich too. Hard, it comes in hardcover. How do you know they read it? it doesn't. I don't. I just hope and pray. See, if you lend it, then yeah, when you yeah. ask for it back, yeah, yeah, you see yeah, if they've read it. I, too much. I can't keep track of all that <laughs> stuff. Um, okay, so Turks and Caicos, bunch of properties, joint ventures. Oh, what about working with investors now? Forget joint ventures, just investors in general. Because is, is it a little bit weird that you're working sometimes with people in their mid-40s, late-40s, 50s on investment properties? Do they ever no. question your experience or just they pick up from the conviction in your voice that you know what you're talking about now? I'm assuming they pick it up on okay, the conviction. So yeah, is, I've never had a hard time working with older people. I do mean, you find a difference in their hesitation? Like in the 20s, they're trying to save money. That's that's the problem, right? I don't have the down payment. People in their 40s and 50s, do you find that they are facing a different problem? I find that you know, older, maybe especially 50s, it's, uh, oh, you know, I don't have enough time until retirement to build this nest egg. But at the same time, I've been investing now like 11 or 12 years. So if you're 50 by 62, you can actually do the same thing. Got it. Yeah, I've right. seen that with with one of our members that signed up. I remember she came to me at the end of one of one of the events, and she's like, she was asking for some accounting, an accounting contact, or or she had a question about it. And um, I'm like, well, explain to me, like, why, what's going on? She's like, well, she started investing early 50s, and I think it was like 13 years, either 11 properties in 13 years or 13 properties in 11 years. And, you know, all in, in Toronto around the beaches, similar to kind of what you were doing. She's like, hey, admittedly, I'm, I'm kind of like cash poor because she was investing a lot of stuff into um, she was taking a lot of the funds available and she was p putting it back into the mortgages so that she was putting in there so that um, so she's she paid down a bunch of the mortgages. But she's like, I figure I have about three million dollars in equity right now. Hmm. And she goes, my biggest problem is I'm trying to figure out how to get access to it. And I was like, you know what? Good First things first, you got a good problem. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I just want to travel. I'm like, just put a flipping line of credit on a property and go for a yeah. trip. You know, who cares? But um, but yeah, and she started in her early 50s when a lot of people, some people think it's too late or some people think they're too busy, but it's tough, man. I, I, like, I get it. But, you know, you think you're too busy until you're not. And then, it's, and then you look back and you're like, why the hell didn't I do it? You know, I it's still, tough. And I still haven't met anyone who's bought property who said that was a mistake. Long, like term, long, long term, long term, for sure. At yeah, any no. age, like at any age, someone in their 20s, yeah. 30s, 40s, 50s, and especially the older guys and women, I've never met anyone who said, yeah, that was a mistake. Like, <laughs> I wish, I'm in my 70s now, I wish I didn't buy that property in my 50s. Have yeah. you like, ever got really pissed off about a situation and sold one? Like, have you, because that's, that's, the, that's the toughest part, is that sometimes you just yeah, get emotional around something. No. You know, you haven't had to deal I've with never, a whore. I've sold. Have, have oh, you, I've dealt with terrible tenants. Oh, yeah. yeah and, I've, and I've sold properties. Any good stories? Um, I always like hoarding stories. I've seen a good, couple of good pictures no, from, from no people. Hoarders. No, no, no hoarders. Or damage and just stuff like what that. What kind of damage? Um, I mean, there was a prop. Actually, there was a property I sold that had probably fifty grand worth of damage. 60. That's a big one. Oh wow! Actually, I just sold it, but that was because I was going away for the winter. I would have kept it, renovated it, and kept. Oh, so it. you sold it? Damaged. I sold it. I sold it damaged. Yeah. Huh. Did you still make money off that property? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, got I it. So, yeah. Okay, well, I can There's see by the big, smile big on your face. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no complaints there. Okay, got uh, it. I just would, you know, I probably could have made more because sure. it would have been a good opportunity, yeah, yeah. right? Whoever bought it, I mean, did well. Too, That's right? always the low point investing. Whenever you have a vacancy and there's some damage in the, pro I didn't say we really not had to deal with damage, but more just we got to paint some and you got to fix the floor. Cosmetic, yeah, you know cosmetic stuff. You know what no I find always deal. the hardest thing? If somebody removes a kitchen door to the cabinetry. 
because you can never <laughs> can find a matching, odd matching kitchen cabinetry door because every kitchen company I've ever come across always goes out of business. Yeah, and this one had a few missing yeah, cabinet doors. Those to me are the always like, if anyone puts in a kitchen into a rental property, always store extra doors. You're just going to be happy on that. But, uh, but, you know, I think it actually would have been a good opportunity. I would have loved to keep it, renovate it, re-rent it. Yeah, but three uh, months in Mexico was but, more important. But, yeah, I just couldn't do it while I was away. I didn't, well, I couldn't. I didn't want and to. And what do you value more? Is it cash flow? Now that you've been investing for some time, is it cash flow, equity, appreciation? Like, do you look at all those three things? You know what? It's interesting. I look at um, control. Like, I know it's something totally different, but it's just, and it's like you guys say, get in the market. Like, it's time in the market and just control real estate. So I want to control, kind of have my hands on as much as possible. Even if it's with joint ventures, whether it cash flows or not, ideally you want it to cash flow. But if it doesn't, it can still make sense. If it appreciates, great. If it doesn't, it'll still make sense. Like there's a lot of real estate. I think that younger people say, oh, I can't get into real estate. Then older people say there's not enough time to invest in real estate. And then now people are saying, oh, but look at the market's about to crash. And they start, I bought it. You I realize start, it's the same thing it's we heard the same in 2008. Thing. In 2007, same. I bought that condo on January 4th and it closed. And then by April was the U.S. collapse. So literally yeah, within 120 days of the worst time, I bought that condo in Toronto, which condos technically I guess got hurt the worst because there, there was a lot of condos in Toronto. At that time, At there that was a time. lot of supply, yeah. And I was buying, by 2008, I was buying in Hamilton and Brampton and all over. And everyone was saying, oh, you got to wait, man. You got to wait. Look at the, what's happening in the States. It's crashing. It's going to happen here tomorrow, next week, next month. And I was like, eh, I'll just keep buying. And I remember telling my wife, I was like, you know, one day, Everyone's going to say how lucky I was to buy in 2008. And have but it's not lucky. I said it in 2008. Has goes, anyone told you that yet? Oh, yeah, for sure. Everybody. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. Lucky. You got you property. Got but started buying in 2008. Oh, well, we've heard the same thing. Not oh. just about our real estate, but about Rockstar as well. They're like, oh, you guys got really lucky. You started when you did. They don't yeah. know. What and we're like, yeah, I mean, maybe there, there have been some things that have been fortunate, but there's also been some. Th- we've hit some really oh. bad luck stuff yeah. too and you no know, like one knows what andrew's gone through like until you sharing yeah. the story about the back-to-back jobs and you no one knows all the tenant stuff you've dealt with all the hassles that you've dealt with so the to, to dismiss yeah. it as luck is so demeaning yeah. to me that it just misses the point and i'll tell you every single time like we're going to probably put this podcast the video out on youtube there's people who comment especially on social media that oh house of cards it's going to collapse because the mortgage rules change and there's no doubt that at some point the real estate market is going to have some sort of correction but that's normal I think people think it's not normal. When you have a credit-fueled real estate economy, meaning that we all have to borrow money and have access to credit to fuel the market, when access to credit dries up through different recessionary periods in the economy, naturally, the real estate prices are going to change. If that's a surprise to you, then you're kind of missing the whole point. And then, Andrew, to your point, the reason we talk about time in the market is that's how you survive those periods because you don't know when they're going to come. And that's why we've always talked about cash flowing, positive cash flowing properties, because when the negative period comes, you can survive. Yeah. Right. To never bank on the appreciation. If you're going to buy, I think if you're going to buy today and sell in August, I can't guarantee what's going to happen. That's different. Yeah. Yeah, But if you're going to buy today and sell, you know, in 2038 or something like that, I mean, you're, I can almost pretty much guarantee Totally. Be fine. Yeah, exactly. So okay. you'd have to do you'd have to go out of your way to really mess up as an investor to yeah. to make that not successful, <laughs> you know, in the long run. So have you been successful in talking to people in their 40s and 50s and just explaining that it's hey, it's time in the market and it's not too late. Get in and then learn as you go. Yeah, do people does that resonate with some it's people? It's time in the market. You just got to get something. Just get something, control it, own it. 
like yeah. have it. Don't wait for the perfect one or this and that and and a year or two passes. And then once you're in, just please don't get out. Yeah, right. especially in the first year, like you're saying, don't sell by August, but especially the first year or even two years. You I actually don't think you should ever get out, really. Yeah, why sell assets? Um, actually, I'll, I'll share a story. I don't know how much time we have. I was in uh, a court, landlord-tenant board, doing an eviction, and I landlord never Landlord-tenant board's not exactly court, but yeah. Okay, oh, yeah, we'll sorry, yeah, landlord-tenant we'll board. We'll go with it. Felt like court. It's you know. more like the people's court. <laughs> so I was doing an eviction at landlord-tenant board, and there was this lady sitting beside me, and she asked if I wanted to buy, this was years ago, she asked if I wanted to buy um, a condo, and it was like Niagara, St. Catharines area, somewhere like that. I think it was Niagara, or an apartment. You want to buy an apartment in Niagara? And I'm like, huh, what's going on? And she's like, well, you know, I got these tenants, and they owe me money. And I'm like, yeah, so what? You're here? Kick them out? Put in new tenants? Away you go. That's what I'm doing, right? <laughs> and she's like, no, I'm sick and tired of this. You know, I, I, they owe me money, and blah, blah, blah. And then I got to get And she had this little girl with her. Must have been like three years old. And now I have kids, so I actually think back to this this lady. And so this lady's like, no, I'm selling. And then she's going, I'm like, ah, I was trying to, so I went back and forth a little bit. And then the, you know, whoever judge or adjudicator, adjudicator person sure. comes in. And they're like, okay, everyone's got to be quiet. So I didn't get to talk to her. And then her case went first. And then she left. So I never talked to her again. And I always think about her because those tenants, like, what did they steal from her? What did they steal? Like two, three grand in back rent? More. Because not only do they steal two, three grand in back rent cash, but if she sold that apartment, I don't know if she did or didn't, then 25 years from now, when that three-year-old's 28 years old, she would have a paid-off apartment in Niagara, which already isn't too bad, and it's only been like five years, right? So those tenants, what do they steal? 3000 Probably a million dollars, right? Like how much of future generational wealth did those tenants steal because they didn't pay rent, then she got emotional, and then she sold the property because, you know, real estate sucks because my tenants didn't pay me rent. But those tenants, you just allowed them to rob your future of just hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's so tough to prevent people from making those emotional mistakes. It's the emotion, yeah. Because it's it is the emotion. And, and a part of real estate that really kind of sucks is that when you have these vacancies, they're never announced. Like the problems in real estate can never be planned for because it's not like someone says... Hey, Nick, just a heads up, in six weeks, you're going to have a furnace go down on the coldest day of the winter, yeah. and everyone's going to freak yeah, out about it. Yeah, there's never a good time for them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's unf the unfortunate side of real estate, which is just why you need all the contacts that you have around. But um, yeah, that's interesting. So now, what do you think? Are you still going to be buying properties? Yeah, still buying. Still yeah, holding. Yeah. I like the smile Still that Andrew gives off. Like, yeah, I'm going to be buying. You know what? I want to circle back for a second because you guys were talking, so I didn't bring it up. But I, I think it's an important point because you said something when you were talking about the damaged property. You said, I couldn't, um, yeah, I couldn't fix it up. Uh, you know, you were, you were going to go on vacation, so I, I couldn't fix it up. And then you're like, well, I could. I just chose not to. Yeah. And it's little things like that that when I'm speaking to someone and I hear someone kind of correct themselves and watch that type of stuff, that makes a big difference. When you're able to have that outlook and be that self-aware of kind of the way you're thinking, what you're doing, I think that really makes a difference in how you act and the things you do and the choices you make. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of don't realize sometimes how often that they may not do that. And it makes a big difference, especially in especially in real estate because you're dealing with other people, I guess everything, right? But when you're dealing with tenants, a lot of people will be like, they'll blame the tenants or they'll blame something else. They'll always blame something else for what's going on with their properties. And it's like, man, just like own up, stop being a baby 
and suck it up and just deal with it. It's not, it's not a big deal. It's not the end of the world, but people want to make a big deal out of all this stuff. And sometimes it can be, it's just crazy to see what people do, the barriers people put in front of themselves with, uh, with this type of thing. Because just think how many times that you've had to, you've been in a crappy situation with one of your properties. You're like, ah, you got to deal with it. And not, and, uh, and not even just like, ah, like you didn't care. You're outright pissed off that you, yeah. I've heard you in here actually with the property manager <laughs> out in Windsor or Sarnia or yeah. somewhere because you're pissed off and you're showing me text messages like, look at this person. Can you believe they're doing this? And like, yeah, but it's not the like it, it is the property manager that did it, but it's not the property manager's fault. Yeah. It's ultimately it's you that has to take the responsibility for it. And if you're going to have any type of longevity in real estate and you're going to be an investor, it's the first thing that you have to be ready to do is take advantage of that stuff or sorry, take ownership of that stuff on yourself. That separates people that have the success long term or that can really get emotional very quickly and want to opt out very quickly. I don't yeah. know. I just thought it, was, it just picked it up. I, that little thing is just it was it, it's interesting because we see a lot of different type of of uh, people go through. You've seen the same thing. I think thing, it's, it's sure. also helped that we've all found each other and met each other because then when one of us is complaining about a property, the other one can say, hey, Andrew, you know what? It sucks, but just don't just get yeah. through it and you're going to be okay. So having that support network, and that's what we've been fortunate at Rockstar to kind of build, that you're surrounded by other people who can kind of help you through that. That helps. If you're out on your own, Sometimes it can be a little bit difficult. Yeah. So, uh, but Nick, I always like the way you described it is that when one time I forget what property we were dealing with and there was some problem. I think it was a water flood of some sort somewhere, sewage backup. And uh, you were having to deal with it and uh, it was pretty painful. And you're like, well, you know, the way I look at it is this pro if I divide the amount of hours that I've had to spend dealing with this problem, and it's probably been a total of like eight hours. They've been painful, maybe even less. Maybe it was like two hours total. Yeah, it wasn't even that. Whatever, it was like two hours. And then if I divide that by the amount of money this property's earned for me in the last 12 months, you know, because I've spent over, I think you described it like this, over the last 12 months, including this problem, I've spent two or three hours dealing with this property. And it's made me this much in cash flow, this much in equity. And I currently have this much in appreciation. If you divide it by that, those phone calls are worth like, I don't know, $15,000 an hour. You, you know, know and I when I thought of it that way, I go, those are great phone calls. Yeah. And it kind of changed my aspect. I'm like, I'll take those phone calls well, for $15,000 an hour. Here's why I had the time to do that. I remember because <laughs> I was sitting on the basement stairs with, um, we, we had never had problems with water in, in this, this uh, property, but a few years ago, we got a really super, super cold winter. Remember we had those uh, frost cracking in the middle of the yeah. night? Do you remember that type of stuff? So when the thaw happened, I guess some stuff had shifted. There was some water was coming in. And I was sitting at the bottom of the stairs and there was a little gap between the, the bottom of the stairs and the laminate flooring. And I had a, a shop vac, a I wet vac, just, just with the vacuum just sitting there pulling all the water out <laughs> from underneath the laminate flooring because we had that, that uh, plastic membrane so it would all be underneath. So I'm just sitting there with it sucking up water and I must have been I must have walked up and down the stairs 10 times emptying out this shop vac thing with all this water that it was sucking up. And so I had lots of time to sit there and do all sorts of math in my head. Because I was, I was wondering, I'm like, why? It was a Sunday, I remember, because I had just cracked a beer. The barbecue was on. You were at Disney or something with the family. Yeah, I remember. And I'm like, ah, oh, beautiful afternoon, right? Spring, one of those spring afternoons. And I had just cracked this beer. I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be great. And the phone um, call. And I get the phone call. And, and, and it's water in the basement, so it's one you actually have to kind of handle, right? I'm like, damn, Sunday afternoon, can't call the handyman guy. Who do I? I'm like, oh, it looks like it's me. And I remember sitting there being like, why the hell am I sitting here on a Sunday afternoon dealing with this? But then when I did the math, I was like, hold on. Yeah, they made a, it made a lot of sense pretty quick. I, and plus, to be fair, I had to justify why I was sitting there some, <laughs> somehow. So I think that's how I did it.
property management became a lot more appealing after some of those episodes. Yeah. But at the time, we but back then we couldn't afford even. Well, I don't know if we couldn't afford property management, no, but we had the cycles. Maybe too cheap, but we can. We also had the cycles to it's do it. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Like it wasn't it's, a big it's not. Hassle. It wasn't a big deal. Even that property, I was I was trying to think of it now. I think since then, that was years ago. Now, I think since then, there's only been one other, like, major thing that happened that had to be repaired. And neither one has been substantially expensive. Like overall, it's been a few thousand bucks, you know. And and in the last five years, again, the profit that's been made, it's it's well worth handling. How old are your kids now? Four and one. I wonder what's going to happen with their real estate career. Like I sometimes yeah. wonder if like will they be driven like you? Like I is that so. a taught skill? Is that just inborn and natural? You know? Are you going to slip them rich, rich dad, poor dad? I will. You yeah. know. I uh, I basically forced to Aiden read. to read Rich Dad Poor. Sienna's getting it. My daughter's twelve now. She's getting it next. But I made Aiden read Rich Dad Poor Dad. I just wanted him to, and then Cash Flow Quadrant because I just want him to understand these things like assets. Like I I remember reading Cash Flow Quadrant and when he broke it out like you know there's you earn how was it like income then self employed you you earn a salary and you have income then you're self employed em, em, and then a business yeah then you're an investor employee self employed. Business owner, business owner, investor. and then you're like an investor. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like this is just completely a different way to think. I had always driven my whole life with the idea of just get good job equals good career. I had never thought of things that way. So I'm totally going to play that stuff at night to them when they're sleeping. <laughs> I'm just going to play rich dad, poor dad and let them kind of absorb that stuff. But I wonder how your kids will be. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Are you going I hope, to? I hope they come out as driven as your kids. Well, I don't know. Eight and 16. We'll see. Aiden seems like they have, uh, he's got some hustle in him right now because he does the whole, yeah, buy trendy shoes and yeah, resell Aiden's trendy shoes. Yeah, yeah. Well, How much I think money is in shopping carts, right? How much does it cost to get a shopping cart now? Because I go to, where, where even, I go, like you know long goes, you don't have to put the quarter in anymore. Yeah, because you go well, to high dollar now. Yeah. Is it no. a dollar? So I was just thinking. Well, it depends where. It depends on the city, I guess. But I'm just thinking, yeah. Like in, uh, your kids can, Nobleton, it's a dollar. So your kids can, that's awesome. Now, you know, it's way better than the quarter. Yeah. That's the first. That's an awesome first job. I had no idea there was inflation on. Shopping I think cars. you know what. I think next time I go shopping with the family, I'm going to go outside and yeah, start doing not? that for people. I think for the quarter, people are still leaving them and they're not returning it because it's not worth their time for a quarter. Wow. I'm so, starting to teach uh, my son right now how to negotiate. So like yeah, everything like raisins and like he'll say, "Hey, Dad, can I get five raisins?" And I'll say two, and he'll be like, "Okay, four. Oh yeah, like it's amazing. Three. It's so amazing just, like, how kids can do that type of stuff so naturally." Yeah. And then, as we as we get older, all like the great traits that kids are able to do, we kind of like parent them out of them mm-hmm. sometimes, like the resilience in them saying no and you know and then like the negotiation because you're just they're, tired and grumpy at some points. And you're like, look, I'm not negotiating yeah. with you right now. This yeah. is the way it is, <laughs> and you yeah. just shut it down. I know. I try to reward it as much as I can. He's a hustler though because we do this deal where we shake on it, and the deal's a deal. No. Yeah, and like if, if he says he's gonna go to bed in like five minutes, a deal's a deal. He has to go to bed. I and love then that. He'll ask, "What do you ask for?" I don't even know something like carrot or something like that. And then so okay, fine. After your bath, everything you have a carrot. So we were downstairs, we were playing for a bit, and I'm like, ah, well, he forgot whatever. <laughs> and after so long of him, okay, one more book and this more book and that more book, and he sure, just yeah. he stalled as long as he could, and then right before I'm like, you gotta go to sleep now. He's like. Well, he didn't give me my carrot. <laughs> and he goes, a deal's a deal. And oh, I'm like, damn, you're right. So I had to go bring him up a carrot. Carrot. Yeah. But the negotiation stuff is so valuable. I remember when I first got into sales because we weren't brought up with like 
trying to get into sales. And I remember when I got into sales and I started understanding the value of negotiating and asking for things. I went to square one at a dry cleaner and I remember just, I just got into sales and I thought you could ask for, I, I started getting confident in mm -hmm. sales and I remember thinking, oh my God, you can ask for anything. So I remember being at the dry cleaner, I know this sounds ridiculous, and uh, I gave my dry cleaning and I said, well, how much is that gonna cost? And they told me, I said, is that gonna include my VIP discount? And I just smiled. <laughs> and she kind of hesitated and then she gave me a discount. Yeah. And I remember thinking at that moment, oh my gosh, if you ask for anything and smile, and smile, oh yeah, <laughs> I do that all the time with every hotel room, everywhere we go, constantly just asking for my VIP discount anywhere yeah. I go. Um, and if you ask and you smile afterwards, you get away with so much. It's like the number one yeah. negotiation tactic that I can share with, uh, definitely going to be sharing with my kids. But, I think uh, sales skills are, everybody's a salesperson. Yeah, like everyone's selling. You're either selling or you're being sold for sure. Yeah, agreed. Not Why so. do you know that? It's just that's just life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think every single thing is. is what sales. do your parents think of all of this investing in real estate stuff? Because they weren't doing this. No, they weren't. Uh, at first, they were scared, which is normal, right? And that's yeah, if, thing. if they were scared of debt, then they were just scared. They were of scared this, of yeah. debt, and yeah. you know what it is? Is that they don't want to see, uh, like I think I got three properties, and my mom asked me to stop investing. Um, and so nobody that's near or dear to you is saying this to hurt you. They're just scared. They yeah, don't want to see you get risky. hurt. Right. Um, and so that's just normal because now I've got, you know, relatives and uh, a close cousin of mine investing. And then even part of me is like, oh, no, like I don't want to see him make a bad move. Right. But it's that I'm careful never to say, like, don't invest or don't do this. Or don't do that. Because the same thing, like my parents, they were just telling me not to invest um, or to slow down investing just because they were nervous. And then I think over time they realized I was pretty good at it. And then they, just, now they're now they just don't even care. How do you think you're going to handle, because it's easy to talk a big game, all of us when the property prices just have been pretty stable and go up. How do you think you're going to react if there's a 25, 35% correction that comes suddenly? You know, I think it, it's like anybody, you'd be like, oh, damn, you know, if I had you known, I should have sold yeah, last yeah, month. Sold so you count, I number one, first whatever. thing, you count your losses yeah. on the property sales but uh, or values. And then, and then what do you think goes through your head? Yeah, I think I just I'd be okay with it. I just I'd, because just, you can pay ups, for the properties downs. and carry them. Yeah, like I think everyone will do that mathematics. Oh, like everyone can go back in time yeah. and say, "Hey, if I had sold my gold and bought Bitcoin on this exact day, yeah, totally, and then ran it to the top and sold and bought gold back, like okay, fine, right?" Yeah. So I think you, I would probably play a, a scenario like that in my head for fun, but then I just, all right, it's down, it's down. The funny thing with real estate is that you never, in my opinion. You never really have fu money, or you don't feel like it, because a lot of your wealth is in mortgage paydown, equity. It's not easily accessible. Yeah, appreciation, and you got your cash flow every yeah. month, but it's okay, right? I mean, it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not the game-changing money. Yeah. So even though my net worth is locked in there, then if it goes down, it's kind of like okay, it's down, it's up, it's. Yeah, got it. Yeah, got I don't it. think it'd bother me. I mean, what, so what do you think will happen to rents? Oh, I think rents will go up because you got to think if the market's crashing, why is the market crashing? Uh, supply and demand. So there's obviously no demand to buy. Right. So if, that's my opinion. If there's yeah, no yeah. demand to buy, prices are going to go down. Now, unless everybody packs up and leaves Canada and nobody new comes to replace them because everyone could leave. But sure. I'm pretty sure more yeah. will come. But let's assume that everyone's still living in okay, Canada. So simple supply, demand, supply and demand. Then what happens is they can't buy, which is why they're not buying. But they're still living here. They're not going to be homeless or in tent cities. So rent's going to go through the roof. 
in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, there's rent controls. Yes, rent should go through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so, technically, but, let's but, not get but political. To, but to be, and in other areas where this type of stuff's happened, demand, like you're, you're right. If you look at other areas, demand has gotten stronger yeah. for sure. We've always just assumed it would be steady, solid. But through the roof, I see what you're saying. If okay, yeah, if the tenant moves out and there is no rent then control there. And you can reset the rent. Free to, yeah, yeah, if you're yeah. free to raise it, I, yeah. I think it'll go up for sure. Interesting. Okay. Anything uh, you would tell yourself, like, I don't know, when you're starting? You seem like you got it kind of figured out. What mistakes have you made? You know what? I think I always, and I knew it then for some reason. Okay. It's like, just buy as much as you can. But yeah. I did. Like, <laughs> I, I could actually, I can honestly like look back. Advice, yeah. Just buy everything. Buy as much you as you can. can. But <laughs> to be fair, looking back, I actually did buy as much as I possibly could. When mm-hmm. I ran out of money, I started partnering. I partnered as much as I could. And then, if, as long as you do that, you actually don't look back and say, I should have bought more. You're right. I should have bought more. But I know I couldn't. Yeah, but you were also yeah. tough. Well, I mean, we all say that. Nick and I yeah. say, we, you know, people ask us all the time, hey, why did you guys start Rockstar? Why did you just keep buying? Because we were out of money. Yeah. We couldn't buy more. Yeah. We got our real estate licenses like you. We didn't even want to get our real estate licenses. It was yeah. just kind of like this thing to try to bypass some realtors. And then it kind of developed into this brokerage. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And then we created a problem for ourselves because we're sending out this weekly email with like a Best Buy, like the Best Buy email. And um, with like a property on it, a good property for anyone that doesn't, is not familiar with that. And, um then we sent uh when we were sending that out people were like well how do i know that's actually good like why wouldn't you just buy that property so for the clients that we're working with for the investors and members we're working with we had to say okay we won't buy a property we'll put it on there and if no one buys it within 24 hours then we'll buy then we're free to buy it that was our commitment to these people we're like man we've kind of messed ourselves up because we're finding these good properties and And now these guys are buying them them. like this is a this is a problem right so we we still ended up buying property but we're like man we're keep shooting ourselves in the foot um and then plus we reinvested a lot of money from rockstar back into building rockstar oh my gosh all went back in it was kind of weird but uh cool so no breakfast what are you gonna have for dinner i don't know i gotta call my wife see what she's yeah you have dinner ready for you all right nice i think it's veal Tonight? So Andrew, you should. We should mention Andrew's been working with investors here at Rockstar for what did we say, five or six? I've years? been here for eight years. Eight I think years, investors six to six seven, years, something. and now you've started. You kind of are a part of a team within Rockstar. So there's Andrew Palhitas, yep. but you are also kind of part of a team that you're kind of growing even within yeah. Rockstar. You and Paul, yeah, right? And Paul, you guys have given a name. Here, yeah. It's the investor. Expert, help me out. Expert investor advisors. Expert Investor Advisors. I don't know why I think that's a tongue twister for me, but Expert (laughs) Investor Advisors. EIA. So within Rockstar, you guys have now kind of, it's kind of interesting because over the years now we have different kind of groups and stuff starting here as well. So that's kind of cool that you were doing that. So uh, We just wanted to leverage other investor coaches um, and experienced investors' knowledge, right? Because myself, I can't be everywhere at once. Paul can't be everywhere at once. Um, And sometimes we find people want to leverage the skills of of other people. So yeah, yeah. we're forever grateful. I mean, you're still a very young guy with the Rockstar member feedback that we get. Like uh, just a couple months ago, I would say a couple walked in here uh, mid 40s. He's a dentist and they were just raving about you, you know, saying all the great things, how you would help them buy properties and put some of their fears at ease. So just thank you for everything you're doing here at Rockstar, man. Like it really means a lot. Thanks for keeping me. Yeah, no, it's been a good ride. We'll see where we go next. Andrew, thanks for this, man. We'll do it again soon. All right, thanks. See ya. 
Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, so hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, we obviously think the world of Andrew Palhidis, he's a great guy, been through a lot, um, so many lessons in that talk that we just had with him. Um, still my favorite is just his hustling of jobs and how many jobs he held back to back over the years, and really that's what it takes to get started. Um, if you are thinking about real estate investing for yourself, no matter uh, you know if you're in your 20s, your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, wherever you are, um, and you wanna check out some information, rockstarinnercircle.com is the place to go. There's lots of different reports there. Um, um, articles, blogs, and videos. If you want to go directly to our YouTube channel and check out some of the videos that we have, you can go to youtube.com forward slash rockstar inner circle. If you hit the bits, big subscribe button there, you'll always get updated on your YouTube page of different videos when we release them. So that's youtube.com forward slash rockstar inner circle to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode of the show. We'll, we'll uh, have more for you shortly. And until next time, your life, your terms.